Chapter Six of the Great Diamond Syndicate. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nancy Cochran Gergen, Gilbert, Arizona. The Great Diamond Syndicate by Nicholas Carter. Chapter Six. Death Comes Too Soon. So that he won't know his own name when he is able to be about again. Nick knew very well what that meant. The sailor was to be beaten and imprisoned and drugged and frightened until he became crazed and then turned out into the world again. Even if some faint glimmerings of what had taken place should come to him, no one would credit the statement of a half-crazed sailor who, as would be believed, came by his infirmity on the high seas and had forgotten. "'It is devilish,' muttered the detective. I wonder how I'm going to get at the fellow, before they quite kill his intelligence. Locked in the unconscious brain of the sailor was the story of the taking of the diamonds, if not the story of the murder of Alvin Maynard. If he could only communicate with Patsy, sitting there in the saloon with the other party to the robbery. If Patsy only knew, then the whole thing would be easy. The fact that the diamond merchant had been implicated in the robbery could not aid the detective at that time. He had no proof except the words of the sailor he had heard while listening on the stairs. But all in good time the necessary evidence would be found. He was certain of that. Nick might now do one of two things. One was to remain in the basement and get to the sailor after he had been dumped down the shaft. Wounded and in fear of death, the man would be likely to tell all he knew about the diamond robbery. The other was to force his way out of the basement and take the sailor with Patsy into custody. This man probably knew as much of the affair as the other. After studying the matter over, Nick decided to remain and assist the sailor out of the din he was in. The other man might prove sullen and refuse to talk after being placed under arrest. Besides, humanity prompted the detective to help the wounded sailor. Only that such a course would have placed Hartley on his guard and defeated all his plans— Nick would have beaten down the door and rushed to the rescue of the sailor then and there. In fact, this was his first idea, but he quickly saw that to do so would be to imperil the success of the case. But it was not entirely in the hope of recovering the diamonds that the detective decided to remain where he was. There might be peril in remaining, but there were things to be cleared up of more importance than the recovery of the diamonds. The sailor might be able to throw some light on the strange murder of Alvin Maynard. At least he would be able to tell how the diamonds had been secured, and to explain the situation in the house at the time of his visit. He was positive that the robbers had not passed beyond Anton's room, and he wanted an account of what had taken place there. There were many things to be explained, and the sailors were the only ones who would be apt to tell the truth. Presently, a noise like that made by dragging a heavy body over the floor came from the private room just over Nick's head. The paid assassin of the diamond merchant was about to complete his task. Just at this moment, the workmen employed at the front of the basement extinguished their light and went away. Their departure gave Nick an opportunity to work out a plan, which had been forming in his brain. The sailor was undoubtedly badly wounded now, and would, of course, be still further hurt by a long drop into the sub-basement. Nick wanted to get at the man while he was in good shape, while he could talk of the events of the previous night. A long board lay on one of the packing boxes, 
and the detective took this and carried it to the shaft. I'll switch the victim off their trunk line to death or insanity, thought Nick, if my usual luck will hold for a few minutes. The board was wide as well as long, and perfectly smooth on one side. Bracing one end against the wall of the shaft opposite the door, the detective placed the other against a heavy box, which he dragged up to the dark doorway. Now, my cunning friends, he mused, your sailor will strike this slanting board when you dump him into the shaft and be shunted into this basement. I hope they will dump him in without throwing a flash of light into the shaft. That might spoil everything, as it would disclose the presence of the board, and might make it necessary for me to do a little shooting. Satisfied as to the utility of this plan, the detective stood in the open doorway and waited. Before long he heard a sound at the trapdoor above, and a gleam of light appeared. Nick almost held his breath. If they should take a notion to look down the shaft, his plans would be ruined. But they did not. It was a gruesome place at best, and the associations were probably far from pleasant. So they just lifted the trap in the floor above and threw the sailor down. Nick knew by the movements above, plainly heard as being directly over his head, that the man had been taken from the rear room to the hall and there disposed of. It was pitch dark in the basement, so those above could not see that the door was open. In a second the unconscious man came tumbling down, and Nick stood ready to direct the fall into the basement where he stood. The man struck the plank, which gave a trifle under the weight, and slid swiftly toward the door. There was not room on either side of the plank to fall off. This is great business for the heart of New York City, thought Nick, as he caught the sailor in his arms. Now, I wonder how badly this man is injured. He flashed a gleam from his flash on the man's face, which was covered with blood, and saw that his eyes were opening. Then the man raised his head and tried to speak. The detective lifted him higher and bent his ear to catch the sound. There was no killing, the man muttered. But the man up there is dead, whispered Nick in the man's ear. Who did the killing? We did not, was the faint reply. Where did you get the diamonds? asked Nick, seeing that the man had been fatally wounded by the savage blow of the bully, and could not last much longer. We watched, and got them from... That was all. It was only a dead man that lay in the detective's arms. The sailor had died with his secret on his lips, when one more word would have set everything straight. There was now but one thing for the detective to do, and that was to reach Patsy and the other sailor, and take the latter into custody. He was guilty only of robbery, and might be induced to tell the truth by promises of leniency. Besides, he would doubtless be greatly enraged at the murder of his companion, and this might cause him to relate not only the events of the night at the manor house, but also the deal with Hartley. For the murder of the sailor, Hartley and the bully could be called to account later. Nick ascended the stairs to the rear room, listened at the door, opened it a trifle, and looked inside. There was no one there, and the only light came through a transom over the door leading to the store. Crossing the room softly, Nick came to door opening into the hall. It was through this doorway that the sailor had been carried on the way to the shaft. Nick lifted the trap and looked down. All was dark and still below, and a swirl of foul air came up into his face. His flash showed the board to be in position. I came near making a blunder there, he mused, 
If they see that, they will know that their secret is known and flee. I must go back. The detective hastened to the basement, returned the board to the place from which it had been taken, and arranged the body so as to give the impression that it had fallen through the doorway instead of proceeding down the shaft. Then he opened a door leading to the sub-basement, left the door to the store floor open, and passed on to the hall again. They will never suspect that the sailor did not fall into the first basement, he thought, and they may believe that I found my way out of the place where they dumped me, or thought they dumped me. However, we must get the bully under lock and key as soon as possible. It is the electric chair for him. Hartley must be watched until we know more about the diamond deal. At the rear of the hall in which Nick now found himself, a staircase led to the second floor. As Nick started to ascend it in the darkness, a man came rushing down and almost fell over him. Nick quickly stepped aside, and the fellow, who was panting as from a long run or a struggle, passed onto the door of the rear room and entered. While Nick waited, wondering if it was now safe to attempt the ascent of the stairs, there was a rush of feet in the store in front, and angry voices came to the ears of the listener. "'I tell you he came in here.' Nick heard a voice say, "'You've hidden him somewhere.' "'Some street row,' thought Nick. All was still on the second floor when Nick reached the head of the stairs, and in a moment he was in the street. About the first person he saw there was Patsy. There was an excited crowd in front of the store, and policemen were guarding the door. "'What is it?' asked Nick. "'They did up my sailor,' was the reply. "'Where is your man?' "'Dead,' was the reply.' and yours gone to the hospital with a smash on the head that would have killed an ox was the reply i don't think he'll ever get over it how did it happen asked nick well we got tired of waiting for you and came and stood in front of the shop here presently a tough mug of a fellow came out and looked us over then he went back and whispered with the clerk and a gray-haired man was called into the conversation we could see them through the window and noted that they were all very much excited. Nick began to understand. Then the tough mug came out and began picking a quarrel with us. The sailor was drunk and made a dash at him. He got a thump on the head that will hold him for a long time, I reckon, and then the tough came at me. I gave him one in the eye, and he turned and ran away. I think he went up the stairway, but the mom says he went into the store. He is properly cursing the clerk good and plenty by this time, said Nick. I figured out that the clerk thought he'd dump the other sailor's partner when he dumped me, and so imagined that both were provided for. Then, when the bully saw the other one on the street with you, he understood that something must be done, for he knew too much about the diamond deal, and would be making inquiries for his partner, who had entered this place not long before. And his partner is dead? asked Patsy dead down there in the cellar said nick and the bully thought that both parties to the diamond deal were down there all safe and beyond the power of harm that is about it well said patsy if one is dead the rascals are safe for a time all right for the other will not be out of the hospital for a long time and may not know his own name when he does come out he got a fierce smash on the front of the head it was evidently the purpose to craze the man, said Nick. That seems to be a cheerful way these fellows have. Well, this leaves us in bad shape. I know now that the two sailors took the diamonds from the Maynard house 
but I don't know where the diamonds are any more than I did an hour ago. Again, these men might have thrown some light on the murder of Alvin Maynard. That is now impossible, for one is dead, and the other may never regain his senses. This man Hartley seems to be playing a close game, said Patsy. Dumped you, did they? Nick explained very briefly what had taken place in Hartley's establishment. So the diamonds are actually lost? asked Patsy. It seems so, was the reply. The sailors got them, in what manner I hope soon to learn, and turned them over to the agent. The agent put them in his trunk in their presence and checked them to New York. When the trunk got to Hartley's, the diamonds were gone, and a counterfeit package lay in the trunk. And it seems that both the sailor and the agent went to Hartley for their pay, which they would not have done if they had played him false. It is a great mix-up, and the finding of the men who took the diamonds from the house seems to have little bearing on the finding of the men who killed Alvin Maynard. There must be some common-sense solution, said Patsy. I have thought, said Nick, that the sailors took from the house a package supposed to contain the diamonds, but I can't imagine them traveling to the station and turning over what they had to the agent without knowing whether they had the gems or not. They would not trust to appearances. Such men never do. Chick may learn something up at the Maynard house, suggested Patsy. In the meantime, said Nick, we ought to get our hand on that bully and lock him up. But this should be done without letting Hartley know that he has been arrested. Now, I am going up to the Maynard house tonight, and I want you to manage the arrest of the bully. String a line of men around the whole block, if necessary. But get him. I'll be back in the morning. And, when you arrest the fellow... Don't let him communicate with anyone. Hartley would make a jump for liberty that might give us a long chase. It was eight o'clock when the detective left a train at the little suburban railroad station. Chick stood on the platform waiting for him. What's the news? asked the chief. Unless I am much mistaken, was the reply, the diamonds are still about the house. If they are not, there are a lot of lunatics up there. For instance... Well, Mrs. Maynard seems to have recovered from her fits. At any rate, she sits in the parlor and watches Anton every minute of the time. If he goes to his room, she makes an errand upstairs. If he goes out into the grounds, she is not far away. Go on, said Nick. And Anton seems to be keeping his eye on the maid, Bernice. He goes where she is as often as he decently can. And once I heard them quarreling in the shrubbery. "'Then you think Mrs. Maynard suspects Anton?' "'I don't know if she suspects him of the robbery and the murder, "'but I believe she thinks he knows all about the events of that night. "'You know she was about the house herself "'and took the diamonds from the trunk.' "'That is the way we figured it out this morning,' said Nick, "'thinking of the girl Anton had inquired for at the depot. "'I guess that is settled,' said Chick. "'Nothing is settled until the case is ended,' replied Nick. For instance, you speak of the diamonds being here in the house at this moment. What if I tell you that I heard a man admit taking them and turning them over to one of Hartley's agents? Is that a fact? asked Chick, in surprise. Nick then related, in brief, the story of the afternoon's work. Here is the mystery, said Chick. How did the men get the diamonds? They did not penetrate the house farther than the west room. Who gave them the gems, then? And who killed Alvin Maynard? Again, 
the burglars were not in a position to do it they never got to that front room were there two sets of criminals in the house last night each acting with a different purpose in view nick smiled but attempted no explanation he had his own notion about things but he was not ready to tell the story of the crime even to his assistant the detectives were now walking side by side under the orchard trees perhaps fifty yards back of the house they had followed the track taken in the morning it was a moonlight night but there were heavy banks of clouds in the sky and now and then the landscape was in darkness here we are at the path leading to the house said nick and we may as well find out what charlie maynard is thinking of how does he take the loss of his diamonds now that the excitement has worn off like the sensible fellow that he is was the reply and it has been discovered that he is not broke if he never gets the diamonds he was alvin's favorite and the old man was rich charlie gets a couple of millions then he can well afford to take the matter coolly said nick for but the sentence was never finished two revolver shots came from the thicket in the orchard then in the moonlight two spiral puffs of smoke crept upward it was a close call but the bullets did no harm end of chapter six recording by nancy cochran gergen gilbert arizona